Welcome into another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad joined once again by Mike Nislick and Andrew Gillis. The Bengals get past their much-needed divisional victory on the road. Now the task at hand is the Tennessee Titans, who are on the driver's seat to basically take the AFC South. The Bengals will have to head to Nashville to battle them later this weekend. And guys, before we kind of just get to that matchup and, you know, what the Bengals will just have to look at from a broad point of view, I think one of the things you look at is offensively, it's cliche to say, oh, they played complimentary football. Because obviously, when you score the points they did, when you put up the numbers they did, obviously everything, for the most part, was working, even without Jamar Chase and even without Joe Mixon who left the game, which we'll talk about later on the show. But, you know, we talked a lot about this Sunday, but when you look at just your kind of next day assessment or a few hours later kind of assessment of that game, do you sort of feel like if it wasn't the offense that turned the corner, was there something offensively where you just felt like the Bengals turned the corner for the better? Uh, I mean, offensively, uh, it's hard to say. Um you know, in, in talking to the guys today, I think, you know, some of them were really, really impressed, specifically Ted Karras, uh, with how uh, Jonah Williams and, and Leo Collins kind of handled their matchups on, on Sunday against the Steelers. Um, you know, Ted also called Samaje Piran one of the better blockers in the NFL. Um, he kind of joked that, you know, he could they were trying to figure out what position they what guard position they could fit him in at. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, when you kind of look at it afterwards, I think that there were just it's not turn a corner that, I mean, you still don't have Jamar Chase. Like you got to see what this offense is going to look like with Jamar Chase, because I mean, this, this team isn't going to do much of anything in, in January if you don't have Jamar Chase. So, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the positive signs today that, that a lot of people really kind of hit on Ted mentioned this, um, you know, Zach Taylor mentioned this was that, you know, the offensive line held up really well. Um, you know, that's a tough task against that Steeler front. Um, so, you know, I thought that that was, uh, you know, I thought that that was probably the most notable thing today, just that you need your offensive line to step up late in the year. And, and they certainly did. Yeah. It's interesting with the offensive line. I mean, uh, Zach Taylor's kind of been, um, happy with them kind of even going back all the way to week one where he's thought that they've played well together. And, uh, I think he used the phrase lights out, uh, today, if I remember correctly, it feels like, it like another day ago, but it's funny when you pull up. Pro Football Focus. Can you get, have you guys looked at it about this game? No. Okay, guess what Cordell Vols Cordell Volson's passing block grade was. Um, oh, actually, I already have it pulled up, so I'm no, going to cheat, Muhammad. That's cheating. You're okay, fine. I won't, I won't say it. I won't say I'm, it. Andrew, Andrew you guess. guess. I'm going to say fifty-one. Fourteen point one. Oh God! <laughs> that's, not, that's like that animal scene where it's like so everybody's clear. That's on a scale of one hundred. Um, and and Liel Collins had a forty five point three. So uh, Collins specifically, uh, Volson they didn't mention really, but Collins they mentioned was having a nice game. Um, so obviously uh, having the sort of assignments and what the the play called obviously does matter in kind of grading those performance. I really am curious to see what the actual offense. Maybe we'll present that to Brian Callahan and see what he, if he agrees with the fourteen point one. Um, so I mean, I think from the coach's perspective, that was something that stood out. I don't know if turning the corner is the right word because, as Zach Taylor said, he kind of felt that the Browns game was an outlier and they've played well, like otherwise offensively. 
you know, and so I, I don't think much was different. You know, I, I, stat-wise, that was a pass-heavy game instead of the Panthers, where obviously it's run-heavy. But I mean, they kind of you know scored most of the time. They had the ball, only punted a couple times. Obviously, had those two two turnovers. One of which was obviously sort of an incredible individual effort, but. This is sort of how they've played, you know, kind of going back here, uh, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah, that is – I know. I saw that on Cordell Vos and I was like – I mean, I know he gave up a sack with Cam Hayward, but, man, I mean, he seemed decent. I mean, when you talk about Lyle Collins, yeah, his pass blocking was a 45, but – and although they didn't really run the ball much, when they did, he was graded a 73. But, I mean, there are highlights on that line. Jonah Williams was graded with an 80, which – I mean, with what we've been talking about lately, that is a good sign to see from him. Ted Karras, not much farther behind him with about a 78 and a half. So those two really stepped up. They really did the job. And I mean, Samaje Pirine, before I even get into, you know, just what he did and what that's going to mean moving forward. I mean, even his pass blocking grade with all the pass catching he did, he had a 70, which is great when most of what he did was is in the pass catching as a, as a screen pass receiver. But you know, entering that game, he was the highest-graded pass-blocking running back in the league with an 89. Of all the running backs in the league with nine games played, he had the highest grade. And he did just about on par against the Steelers. And that's a good pivot, I think, to Piran because, as we've talked about and as we'll talk more about in the week, uh, Joe Mixon is in the concussion protocol. I think he left sometime before the end of the first half. He didn't return in the second half. So this is definitely something to move forward, um, something to look at moving forward. I can't talk today. It's been a long weekend. But, you know, with P. Ryan, assuming he gets to not Sunday, which I think seems to be the case, and Trey Williams is behind him, you know. Uh, and I guess, you know, the Titans we can talk more about later. But just in general, with P. Ryan, what do you see from him versus Mixon? Um, what are kind of the strengths and maybe the weaknesses compared to Mixon if he were to sort of take that role moving forward until Mixon's well, healthy? I just think with with P Ryan, I, I just um, I know Mixon hasn't really hit that home run on the ground, but I think that you kind of lose that ability a little bit. Um, you know, I think P Ryan is not gonna is not gonna break off a, a seventy yarder. Now, I mean, famous last words. Now he's gonna do it. That I said that, um, <laughs> but you know, he, he's a fantastic pass blocker. Um, so, like when you have him in the game, he's a guy who. You know, you you can really rely on, you know, as we saw in Pittsburgh, you can rely on him to catch the ball out of the backfield and, and kind of be a force kind of running open in space. So, um, you know, he's good. At, he's good in the pass game. But, you know, I, I said this yesterday in Pittsburgh, like I think with whatever the rotation is going to be, um, you know, and Zach Taylor reminded everybody today that they have four running backs on their active roster. So whatever the rotation is going to be in Nashville, if Joe Mixon isn't there, I think it's going to be a little bit more backup friendly than it has been with without you know with when Joe Mixon is the starting running back. Yeah, I mean we talked about this yesterday, and I think that you know I think they turn to you know I think if Chris Evans is healthy, they they kind of give him some run as kind of Mixon's replacement and kind of let uh, Samaje uh, play his sort of normal role because you know you don't want I think to sort of sacrifice that and may, and kind of create weaknesses in, in two spots where you can where you can only have, you know, really trying to place Mixon instead of both of those those roles. So, yeah, I think that would be a tough loss. I mean, obviously we won't know here for the next couple of days. Uh, they have no media available on Thursday. We might not even know till Friday. Obviously that, that five-step process needs to be cleared by multiple doctors. 
Um, so that'll be kind of a lingering question uh, throughout the week um, for the Bengals as they, as they get ready for this one. And, you know, that's the thing is, like, you talk about, oh, they don't have Jamar Chase. And, you know, defensively, they didn't have DJ Reader for a while. They even missed Logan Wilson for a bit. And now you look at now you might not have Joe Mixon. And, of course, with Jamar Chase, and I'll get to him in a bit, um, he could be back against the Titans. He might not be back. If he's not back against the Titans, he'll, I think, certainly be back against Kansas City the week after uh, at home. But, you know, with Piran, I think, obviously, yeah, you're not going to get those as you coined it, Andrew, home run holes. Because, you know, this is the Titans. If you want to look back at what happened last year, I know last year's last year, but, I mean, even now, they still have some of the best pass rushing in the league. Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Bud Dupree, you know, Kentucky guy, I'm a little biased. Yeah, but those were all just monsters, and they were monsters the last time they met in the AFC Divisional round last year, and they've been just as good this year, if not better. That's part of why the Titans... Uh, are at the top of their division, among other obvious reasons. But, yeah, it's definitely something to look at with the five-step process and just how he's feeling and, you know, just sort of what the verdict is on that. But with Jamar Chase, since you mentioned that, what what we understand is uh, he should be possibly, I believe he is practicing Wednesday. At least he'll be – they're going to see how he feels as far as, like, just him being on the rehab field, and they're going to go from there. But, you know, say he does practice Wednesday, he's feeling good, and – He's getting going, and they think, okay, he's good for Sunday. I guess, do you think maybe they're going to have him on a limited snap count, or do you think that just kind of depends? And whether he is or isn't, what do you think that would look like from Chase just as he hits the field Sunday if he plays? Well, well so I asked Lou this today about DJ Reader, um, you know, if there was a fixed snap count, and I think that that's kind of illuminating for what Jamar's situation is going to be because I think you can go into a game and say, you know, okay, we want to run him on – 75% of our snaps, or we want to run him no more than 30, 35, whatever the number is. I don't know, but <laughs> it's Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase says he's good, then you got to go. Like, uh, like, it, are you going to tell Jamar, like if Jamar Chase, are, are you going to shut him down in the middle of the fourth quarter with the game tied at 20 and the offense taking the field? Like, if Jamar Chase has quote unquote hit his pitch count, like, no, you're not going to do that. If Jamar Chase tells you he's okay and the trainers say he's like, he feels fine, then you have to play him. So I think, I think it's one of those things that, that sounds good in theory. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily something that happens a whole heck of a lot, like in actuality, just because uh, like, again, like this is a lot easier said than done. Maybe if you're talking about like, you know, okay. Like, you know, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, like if, if he was injured, you know, and you were working him back, it's a lot easier to work in a guy like that. It's a lot easier to work in a guy, um, you know, maybe like a, uh, you know, like a Mitchell Wilcox, like if one of those guys was hurt, like a rotational Chris player, Evans. yeah, like a rotational player who you don't really count on every snap and, and you kind of use in specific situations that I think that that might, you know, you might be able to get away with that. But when it's Jamar Chase, I mean, I think we saw this in New Orleans with with T. Higgins. Like, T. Higgins didn't start the game. He was not on the field for the first snap or two. And then he played the first series or two, and they, you know, how do you feel? And he was like, my ankle's fine. Let's go. And he played the rest of the game. So if Jamar Chase is healthy, absolutely, like, you, you can go in with that. But if but if he tells you he's good, you roll him. And you roll, you roll him at 100% of the snaps until, you know, until the game's over. Well, I think it's a difference 
too with the NFL. I mean, with, with a guy like Jamar Chase, you don't really. I mean, maybe you take a chance with somebody else. I, I mean, not that I don't. I don't think any team would necessarily. I mean, they, I think that if he's cleared to go, they'll say he's you know he's healthy enough to play the game. He's healthy right. enough to play all the snaps. I, I don't think they'd risk it with him, to, especially with uh, that injury where, you know, uh, they don't want this to become a reoccurring thing or something you have to monitor week to week. I think if he's healthy and he can play, then you go with him. I, I mean, you know, it's because you could get hit on it no matter how many snaps you play. You play one, you play 100, you're, you're at, you know, it's kind of the same risk, right? right? I mean, you can get hit on it at any moment. So, yeah, I think if he's cleared, he'll play and, and play, you know, the duration. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, it'll be interesting to see, are, are they playing coy and they know he's back or will it be sort of a day-to-day evaluation? Obviously the last time they, the, the interview kind of broke, they, they kind of played a little loose with, with, with that, his status. Um, you know, he was off of crutches now. Uh, it was on crutches, I think as late as Thursday last week, but he's obviously moving a lot better in the locker room. Uh, today than he was last week. So, I mean, those are those are encouraging signs. And if he's out on the uh, rehab field or practice field, we'll kind of get a better sense of, of his status, I think, uh, coming up uh, Wednesday, not tomorrow. Well, and it's also – it's a matter of making sure he's healthy and making sure that, you know, like Mike said, that you want to, you know, have him for the long run. You don't want this to become a recurring thing, obviously. But, you know, it's a matter of a roster spot, too. Because, you know, I, I know he's not on injured reserve right now, but like if, if you're in a situation where on Friday or Saturday you're not sure or, you know, you're not confident that he's going to play all these snaps. I mean, they did this with T. Higgins in Baltimore. Like T. Higgins played snaps into the second series and was not feeling good enough to play the remainder of the game. And at that point, it's so early in the game, you're not thinking, you know, okay, you know, hey, here's what we can do. Like you basically just burned a roster spot on a guy, but you could have used that on, on someone else. You could have made him inactive and, and gotten contributions from somewhere else. Um, you know, we've talked about the secondary being thin. Uh, maybe you activate another receiver, wh- whatever the case is. Um, so it, it's not just a let's keep Jamar Chase healthy thing. It's a let's make sure we have enough bodies because, you know, if you get into a game where you start to lose some people, you don't want to have burned a roster spot on something that you weren't sure on. So uh, there's a lot of different they, things that go into it. That's ridiculous. They're, they've got Irwin now, and he's their guy. He's They're going to just have him ready to go. And <laughs> they don't need any roster spots at wide receiver. Right. Well, so well, Mike Thomas, who was the kind of that backup receiver, he has been – waived. I mean, he'll be back. I'd imagine they're just going to wave him and sign him to the practice squad. But at that point, since they used all the elevations for Trent and Irwin, which the third one was against the Steelers, do they elevate him to the wide receiver backup spot and kind of put Thomas in the backseat? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if the, the, the Thomas thing, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not sure he, about he, that. He'd have to clear waivers uh, first for them to do that, to claim. Him. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the Thomas thing. And then, I mean, I think the, like where you're talking about numbers, the more interesting thing to me would be the O-line because now that Prince is coming back, um, they're going to have to make some decisions there. Um, you've obviously got a, a, a roster decision at punter looming. Um, if you want to – I think Drew Christman has one elevation left um, from the practice squad. So like if you want to keep doing this thing, um, you can kind of do the thing from from How I Met Your Mother, where Ted says that's future <laughs> Ted's problem. You can just kind of kick that down the road and make that future Ted's problem. 
Um, but you, you're going to have to make a roster decision at some point at punter here soon. Um, so you're going to have to make a roster decision on the O-line. And I think that that's kind of going to, that's going to impact a lot of what you do at receiver because um, now that Prince is back, like they didn't activate him. Like he's on the active roster. Uh, you have a punter decision to make. So um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, there's, it's a lot of different moving parts right now. And, you know, I think that they're all going to be in, you know, somewhat related to, if not directly related to one another. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Isaiah Prince is the other piece. He got elevated. Um, obviously, the O-line is what it is. I know the other kind of guy in the middle is Hakeem Adeniji. They've used him as a swing tackle. And they actually use him quite a bit where he came in as an eligible receiver a bunch of times against the Steelers. And he started half of last season's game, including the playoffs. So that will be interesting to see how they kind of shuffle and deal with that. But we're going to shuffle and deal our way through this podcast. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the emotion going into this Titans-Bengals rematch. Plus, we're going to talk about maybe how predictable the Steelers might have been according to one player. We'll have that when we come back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So as we've been mentioning throughout the show, guys, the big thing to, you know, really that sticks out with this uh, Titans game this Sunday is, I mean, the last time these two played was one of the best playoff games we've seen in recent years. It was a not the it wasn't like a shootout like we saw against Buffalo and Kansas City. I'm not gonna put it on that level, but it came down to the very end. Evan McPherson kicks that game winning fifty-two yard field goal on a Logan Wilson pick. That was a very loud, raucous game in Nashville last year. You already know the Titans fans and the players are gonna be just as loud, if not louder and more emotional. Uh, you know, you can't really speak too much for Mike Vrabel's team. You know, even Zach Taylor said you can't speak much for them. But for the Bengals, they go into this as, look, it's a game. We're prepared. We're ready. But, you know, do you sort of sense, like, the emotion, the intensity in such a, a hot rematch like this? Because I'd say it's kind of going to be the same thing when they play the Chiefs the, the week after. But just when you look at that game Sunday, do you kind of just sense that emotion and that kind of intensity? I mean, it's too early in the week for that. It's yeah, it like though? yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, way way too early in the week for that. Um, oh. Like, yeah, I, I'm with Mike on this one. It because you like like again, it, like the playoff game, like it's, it's they don't. That, I, yeah, that, that, they, it's, it's just not a thing. Like Kansas City, there will be a much more sort of interest from the fan base. Uh, at large, I, I don't think this game rates. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with my, because the, like it, it like yeah they played in the playoffs last year, um and it was a fun game, but like it wasn't even the best game of that weekend. Like because that was the weekend where you had the um you had four games decided on the on the last play of the game because uh, the you obviously had the Bengals Titans. Um, then you had the Packers 49ers that game. I believe that was the second game that day. And then the next day you had uh, Rams Buccaneers, which was unbelievable. Um, and then the best game I've ever seen in my life was the Bills Chiefs game that night. So like, oh, I agree. You know, that was the best one. I, I, I think it was. I think you can. Like Mike Vab- after the loss, like Vabel came across the field and hit Zach Taylor with a chair. 
Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm not talking WWE style. I don't. I'm, no, I'm not saying, a like, WWE. Still, like, still I mean, like, like, yeah, yeah. This is not yeah. like a blood feud here. I mean, these teams like faced each other once, and you know, okay. Like, I, I, there's no sort of like. There's no bad blood. Yeah, general no, hate. No. Yeah, like when, like the, uh, like when the, like speaking of the Titans, like the Titans beat the Ravens in the playoffs in in twenty nineteen. That twenty nineteen twenty season, it was a huge upset in the divisional round. And then they played the next season, and for the second year in a row, the Titans came out and they danced on the on the logo at midfield in Baltimore. And then like there was this huge, you know, yelling match where like John Harbaugh's yelling at players on the Titans to like get to the sideline and he's like in individual screaming matches. And then the Ravens beat the Titans the next year in that playoffs and in, in that same year in the playoffs. And then they run out to midfield and dance on the logo. That to me, you know, that's a playoff rivalry. This I I don't know if there's any if there's any bad blood here. I mean like Titans fans are more upset, I think, just how that that game ended. Because if you watch that game, that was one of the worst operated two-minute drills I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, they just absolutely kept falling on their own ass as they were trying to march down the field. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have any concept of anything. So I think the Titans are just mad that they lost that game. I don't think it had anything to do with, I can't believe we lost to those dang Bengals again. But, um, yeah, I, I, the the energy, I, I don't know if it'll be there. The energy, I think, will be there for, for games later in the year, specifically for Kansas City, because it's Patrick Mahomes. It's a home game. For this one, I mean, it's it's Monday, and it's I, I just don't see the energy being there like you're talking about. That is good. And, look, I'm not saying there's bad blood like Taylor Swift. I'm just saying that this is a team that you played in the playoffs last year. And with the fact that we mentioned this team, the Titans will basically run away with the South. I mean, you're going to – if the Bengals get the playoffs, how they get there, they're probably going to have to run into them at some point. What that looks like, we don't know, but they probably could run into uh, Tennessee. So it just makes you wonder, like, hey, I mean, if they have a good game this weekend and they meet again in the playoffs, then maybe that's the game where, like, you really feel the intensity, not just from the fans, but – it's like, oh, yeah, we played them in the playoffs last year. We played them in November in the second half of the season. Now we're meeting in the playoffs. Like, there's going to be more kind of an added oomph to it. But, no, I mean the Kansas City game, that will be bigger. And, like I said, Burrow versus Mahomes, I'd get used to that. Like, that that's something we're going to see. I think hopefully we, we will see more frequently because whether it's regular season, playoffs, man, that's – I don't know if I want to say it's the next Brady Manning, but it's it's getting there. I mean, the AFC Championship was a start, and the game before that in Week 17 last year was a start. So we'll see. And that's something to talk about more down the road. But to kind of wrap up here, uh, and I don't know why I didn't really think about this until now, but um, I don't think he said this to either of us. But after the game, Jermaine Pratt, inside linebacker, said that the Steelers were, quote, a predictable team. I don't know if you guys saw that. Did you all see that? Yeah, I, I saw that today. I actually didn't even hear about it until like while we were in Pittsburgh. So, because I it wasn't I, certainly none of us got that quote because I'd never heard anything of it. What do you think when you hear their predictable team? Were they predictable, or is that just GP being GP money? No, I mean that's just. I think. I think that's twofold. I think that's one. 
Jermaine Pratt is, I mean, that team was amped up yesterday after the win. They knew that they needed to beat Pittsburgh. That's a fun team to beat. It's a your first divisional win. I, I mean, we talked about that ad nauseum. So I think that just getting that win, you know, was, was a big step for them. So I think there was just, they were feeling good. And then two, I don't think he's necessarily like wrong because I wonder, like I, I haven't been obviously following the Steelers week in and week out, but I wonder how much of their offense is, is just simplified because they have, you know, a rookie quarterback and your offensive line is not great. And your best weapon, I guess you could argue your best receiver at this point is, uh, is a rookie as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things where um, it might have some truth to it. Uh, there might, and there might be a valid reason to it. I don't think he was necessarily like trying to cause a stir um, or, you know, trying to talk smack like Leo was, was trying to talk, talk trash last night. Um, I don't know if Jermaine <laughs> was trying to, I don't know if Jermaine was trying to do that. Is, yeah, is that a legitimate nickname, or is that a, a made made up nickname? Well, yes and no. I didn't start it. He did because if you watched the Super Bowl last year when it was on NBC, you know how they do the intros where it's like Joe Burrow, Athens High School, Joe Mixon, Oklahoma. When he introduced himself, he said GP Money. Yeah, but you can't. Like that. so it's I, not legit. That's not. So you didn't. But that's not legitimate. You can't give yourself a nickname. Yeah. So according to Pro Football Reference, he does not have a uh, he does not have a nickname, and they well, are actually official. pretty good that's official. at okay, listing. So. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow on Pro Football Reference for context has Joe Burr, Joe Shiesty, or Joey Franchise, um, or Joey B. So we gotta get more um, official with these nicknames. Uh, it's too loose. The rule, the, well, the here's the thing. Uh, we need to become a we need to become a nickname culture again. We've we've lost nicknames. We, we really do, honestly. Yeah, no, we, we, we need the, we need no. we. I'm good with. I like the Legion of Boom, but we need the Steel Curtain. We need the Fun Bunch. We need the Smurf. We need we need those type Did you of say the Smurfs? nicknames back. Yeah, that was with the uh, uh, with the the Washington Redskins that back in the day. They had a whole well, bunch the of uh, the, the hogs for that. What's I mean, that? The official Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think they were named. They had like a position group like name the Smurfs. I forget which one it what, was. Were they all blue? Um, uh, the shorts are from a magical um, city made of mushrooms. Might have been the DBs, maybe. Um, See, but again, like, there's no context. I, I don't like it. I think we got th- these nicknames have to be official to be used. That's fine. I just want to become it. Like I said, I, I'm good with you know. Was the what were the um the Dolphins? What was their offensive line back in the day? The Killer Bees, like the Purple People Eaters. I want to go back to Killer like bees. group nicknames. So I want to go bees back were to a all tag of that. team. What's that? The Killer Bees were a tag team. Well, there. I think they, that was the that was also the offensive line though. Yeah, but the Killer, Killer Bees, Bees were like cool. a WWF tag team in the 80s. Well, I never – like, the only thing I know about WWF is that my dad they absolutely B, loved Hulk Hogan. B, so, like, I don't know. striped t- uh, uh, trunks. Killer right. – Killer Bees. Wow. The That's Killer Bees. That's why I have to this discussion. I don't even know what we're talking about. I I, I don't – Neither do well, I. Well, but, well, yeah, I'm looking at the to... Killer Bees right now. Uh, wow. Okay. These guys ripped. Um, they were wrestlers, huh? The American, wow, good, good. Well, on you. To, were you a big? Yeah, that good for you, Mike. That was a good, good recall. 
Well, going back to Jermaine Pratt, I did ask him because I talked to him last week for a story I did. I said, by the way, Jermaine, I know and that was actually my first time formally meeting him. I was like, hey, like, is your nickname GP Money or was that just something you did for like the NBC ticker? He goes, eh, it's a long story. He's like, it's not my nickname, nickname, but it's just something I go about with my friends. And I'm like, okay. So it's kind of somewhere in between. Like his friends call him yeah, GP Money. What's the story? What? What's the story? He said it's just between me and my friends. I said, what is he? He's like, it's you between me. You have homework. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go back and ask him. I want to, I want to really kind of be like, hey, like I really want to know what, what is the story behind GP Money? Because, I mean, hey, I'll tell you this. With the way he looked yesterday, and let's not overlook this, he was GP Money. He was the highest graded Bengal in that game. Uh, on the podcast. No, no, don't, don't miss the point here. He was the highest. You can't use an unofficial nickname. We could get sued, Muhammad. You've gone, you've gone rogue. Yeah, this is Jump the Shark on his nickname. you got to find out the story. Okay, Jermaine Pratt looked like money <laughs> yesterday, or I should say on Sunday, because he was the highest-graded player on PFF uh, among Bengals players in that game. And I'm talking overall, not just defensively. Overall, he had the highest grades. He had a 91.1. That's actually one point higher than Joe Burrow, even, who was Joe Burr in the cold little Pittsburgh weather. But, man, it's a contract year for – Jermaine Pratt, so it makes you wonder kind of if that's what plays into it. But he's, he's just a good player. I mean, we've talked about when we did our midseason awards how the linebackers won our award for best group on defense. And, I mean, when you got a Logan Wilson up front and Jermaine Pratt right next to him and our underrated player or, like, non-starter, Akeem Davis-Gaither, I mean, man, James Becker, the linebackers coach, he has to be a happy man with what he's got. Would you be happy if you had those three? <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Good for him. No, that's definitely something to look at, though. I think especially, you know, when you go against Derrick Henry and the likes of him in uh, Nashville next week, you're definitely going to want to have uh, a Jermaine Pratt and a Logan Wilson. And we'll talk more about that on the pod- podcast later this week. But, yeah, later this week on Wednesday, we will talk more about that game, Derrick Henry, what makes him tough, what the Bengals provide up front. Plus – We'll see what the Bengals will have in store offensively on top of what we just mentioned with everything else in between. But once again, for myself, Mike Nice looking at Drew Gillis. I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you Wednesday.